I'm your host, Nancy Trader. Welcome to the Stop Digging Podcast, where we'll help you dig out of whatever hole you're in. Here, you can connect with experts to listen and learn from their experience and get advice for your challenges in business, wellness organizations, and relationships. Here, you can borrow from others and find what you need to create the life and work you want. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stop Digging Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about facing challenges and solving problems. In the past couple of years, the way we have learned has changed dramatically, and today we'll be speaking with a learning group who helps others adapt to challenges in their lives. Along with my co-host, Susan, who's going to set us up for this. Susan, can you tell us a little bit about today's topic? Yeah, we're talking about a different learning community, and one of the reasons we brought this up is because this is going to be airing in June. That's typically when school's ending for a lot of people, summer's starting, But it's also, you know, the last time that people have to start getting their transition going to the fall when they start looking for employment or they're looking to their next semester of of college or school. So we thought we'd talk about learning and some of the challenges that people face when they're learning, but that can be overcome with accommodation, agility, resilience, and a little creativity. So One group of people that often gets overlooked is the disability community. And when you say the word disability, it can carry any number of connotations. It can be physical, it can be mental, it can be hidden. We know that PTSD, for example, 6% of the population has debilitating PTSD. And uh, you can't see it necessarily, but it is a disability and it is classified as such. Things like fibromyalgia some other other hidden disabilities. However, you know, when you're talking about physical and mental disabilities, there are challenges unique to those particular groups of people. And I thought I'd just put some clarity on that and some context, both globally and with Americans, uh, just to kind of set it up for hearing some people's stories and really personalizing it, because we can talk about statistics a lot and forget that there's people behind that. So I know we have some global listeners here, and I'd like to just share some disability statistics from a global perspective. First of all, and this is according to the World Health Organization, around 15% of the world's population, that is a billion people, they live with disabilities. They are the largest minority group of people in the world. Women globally who have disabilities are recognized to be multiply disadvantaged because they often experience on a global level exclusion on account of both their gender and their disability. In addition, 90% of children with disabilities in any kind of developing nation, they're not allowed to attend school, right? So that's on a global basis. When we're looking at America, we're looking, and this is a statistic from the Center for Disease Control, 61 million adults in the United States, that is 26% of people, live with some kind of disability in America. There are people who have disabilities who live in your community, around you, and they may be invisible to you. We'd like this program to change that. That is one in four people, folks, with disabilities. Now, if we just were talking about disabilities, there are definitely experts who can talk more to that point, but we're also talking about learning. And many of the people who have disabilities are in 
incredibly intelligent, talented, and able to serve in the workforce in ways that are proven benefits to companies, to communities, and to families. So we have a group of people on here who are part of our LMS program. It's a project through A-Squared LAMP Groups that provides a learning management system platform, or LMS, to solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, small businesses, and small organizations who otherwise on their own might not be able to afford an enterprise-level platform to provide those learning services. Now, we are in June having an open enrollment to that project. If you are interested in finding out more about it, we have an event on our calendar page on May 30th that will provide a demonstration, and you can see if it's for you. You can go to asquaredlamps.org forward slash calendar. But first, we'd like to hear a little bit about how this group of people is using the learning management system to train disabled workers to enter the workforce, school, and other places in your community to make them visible. With that being said, Nancy, who do we have on today who can share their stories? Thanks, Susan. Our guest organization today is the Roland Center. They are a nonprofit based in Southern California, and they've been doing some remarkable work helping people with disabilities. We're going to start with, I'd like to know, you know, every story has an origin, there's a beginning. And our first person that I'd like to speak with is Spencer. He's the communications liaison. And uh, actually, let me introduce everybody. So we have uh, Spencer Yarte, who's the communications liaison. Christina Torres is the program director. In, uh, Shannon Hines is an instructor. And Alejandro Cordero is a client. So welcome, everyone. Spencer, if you could tell us a little bit about how um, the Roland Center started and uh, what do you do? So the Roland Center started back in 1960. Uh, it started with Shirley and Ganzi Roland, who are actually the parents of Gunnar Roland, currently a participant with us. Uh, Shirley and Ganzi wanted opportunity for their son, and uh, there really weren't any good options available at the time, so they decided to take that into their own hands. And they, just, they decided to create this uh, community organization with their peers. They uh, crowdsourced a bunch of resources. They put together uh, various sales in the community to make sure they could get the funds for this. And together, they created this amazing location where people with disabilities really can have an opportunity to move past what people may typically expect from them, to have uh, jobs, to build skills, to seize more opportunity in the community and live a life that they find fulfilling and empowering. How many people are you serving in your community? I believe it's over 200 now. Christina, you might have a better number on that. Yeah. So we're actually close to 300 people that we're serving. So Spencer, when you're communicating with the community publicly about the work that Roland Center does, is there something in particular that you like to highlight when you're doing that? Um, I like to highlight the individual stories of those that we serve or have served in the past. Um, there are a lot of great success stories of people really meeting their goals or surpassing their goals, becoming staff members with us. Even Shannon Hines on the call with us today actually was a board member with our regional center for a while representing the client side of things making sure that our funding bodies, our oversight bodies really understand what's going on with those that they support. And that giving that perspective that you might not have just from being an administrator in this, this field. What do you think the public doesn't know about the community that you serve that you feel compelled to communicate in your messaging? 
I feel that uh, the relatability of the scenarios that each person that we serve actually undergoes is uh, very much uh, overlooked by the community at large. Most people that we support have uh, very relatable stories that you can find uh, great lessons and you can you can relate to. You can see it in your own life, uh, the ways that you can learn from them and they can we can help each other out. It's a it's a two way street. It's not just offering instruction and they, they you know, step it up. Everyone that supports the people that we support, the individuals with uh, disabilities, they definitely take away their own insights from this this community that help them grow and become more fulfilled people. Spencer, what is one of the challenges that you have to address a lot when you're telling the story to others? Um, getting people to take the time to listen. Uh, people's attention spans are really short now. So when you hear from a community that's often not looked at, doesn't have the microscope on them in the news, it's hard to get people just to take notice sometimes. But um, this is a group that really deserves the same attention as other other groups that are in need of support, additional support and greater equity to help them achieve their goals. I think one of the next things I want to learn about is, you know, I know it takes a lot of work to uh, move your mission forward and, and to uh, serve a community. And I know you had to uh, adapt quite a bit after the pandemic and during the pandemic. You started using the uh, learning management system. And so I want to talk to uh, Christina. I have a question for you. You're uh, the one who oversees all of the programming. Can you tell us about the different programs that you offer through the Roland Center and um, just share a little bit about that? We have four programs that we provide at the Roland Center. Our base program is our, actually our center-based program is our work activity program. So it's site-based vocational training. And then we have supported employment, which is more of a competitive integrated employment that we offer. And then we just started a little bit right before pandemic, we started our community-based program, which really helps our individuals integrate into their community, whether it's through education or volunteering, anything of that sort. And then we also have our tailored day service program, which is actually some of the programming like Alejandro that's involved. And that's more of a one-to-one, which is also a community integrated program. But like I said, it's more of a one-to-one and it really helps the individual. It helps us to wrap around our services around one individual and really get them to where they're trying to go. And it's meant to be more of a transition program. So it's not uh, geared for long-term, but more just to you know, give you that that boost of where you want to go. And Christina, how do people pick the program that they want to go into? So it pretty much starts at our intake. We do have a lot of referrals that come in from regional center. We'll, you know, review the referral packet. And then afterwards, we will make time to meet with the individual and their family or their uh, support team and like really figure out what's the projection in their life and what route are they trying to take? And so it really, really, it's really dependent on what, what the individual is trying to do with their life and how we can help out with the programs. And then we kind of pick and choose or help them pick and choose what would be the more appropriate route for them through our programs. I have a question for you, Christina. You know, when you're, I've heard Spencer and you talk about a regional center. Are you referring to a government sponsored center? that helps the disabled? Yes. So our individuals are consumers of a regional center and a lot of the services that are provided for them are paid through regional center, which is a state funded entity, which actually it goes a little further. So they're governed by DDS, which is Department of Developmental Services. And those fundings come in through DDS through the regional center. And it's the regional center shop to kind of spread those, those funding services to us. And that's kind of what governs us. 
ensuring that we are providing services based off, you know, the accreditation requirements and making sure that we are, we're in compliance and that we're also able to grow our program services. So everything's pretty much like you said, it's, it is governed by regional center because they're the ones that put in, uh, we have to go through them in order to be accredited to provide the services. So does any of that funding, is it from a federal overview or is it solely by each state? It's funny because California is the only state that actually has regional center. Pretty much all the other states are funded, I want to say, through the healthcare system. And so we're the only state that has a specific entity that targets these individuals. So we run very differently as opposed to every other state in the United States. That's interesting. And and I'm sure, you know, we do have some global listeners to this podcast. So I'm sure that other nations run things very differently as well. In the United States, the government provides things like you said, through the state or through the healthcare system, but there's always gaps in that kind of service. And so a lot of nonprofits and institutions pop up to augment the services. Mm-hmm to provide additional support and supplemental care and to offer unique training and integration mm-hmm. programs like you. So the Roland Center has been around for 60 years. It was started privately, as we heard Spencer say. What is it that the Roland Center does that's a little bit different or unique to what others offer? I think for us, in in my personal opinion, I think what we offer is we're very involved in the lives of the individuals that we support. I think that sometimes being in this type of line of work, it's not just as it's not a black and white situation. There's a lot of different layers that go into helping someone, you know, whether it's personally, professionally, or just even sometimes, unfortunately, our individuals don't have that support from home. A lot of our individuals, pretty much their whole support system is coming from services that are paid for. They're not a you know, personal friend. It's not a family member. It's, it's literally just services that are paid for. And so I think with this, and I always say this, not, it's not meant for just anybody to come in here and do what we do. Because it really requires it really requires a special passion to help people and to support them and to really advocate for them of what is it that they're trying to do and how we can support them to get there. It starts with the person, right? It it really just depends on how passionate this person is in getting to where they want to go. And, you know, just having the right support system, it really means that you're you can go anywhere you want to go. It doesn't matter if you have a disability or not, everybody needs help. And so making sure that we have the right team that have the right heart to do this is very important in in what we do. And I know for a fact that that's what we have here at the Roland Center. Would you say that that was maybe a bias about the community that you work with and are part of is that people forget that men and women who have any kind of disability are actually ambitious and aspire to greater things. I I think sometimes people forget that, you know, anyone is capable of anything with the right support. And it's very true that I think sometimes this, it's very true that this population is definitely overlooked. But if you're involved in this community and you're, and you're kind of doing what we do, 
you'd be surprised to see like some of the accomplishments for some people. We have people that are like Shannon has their master's degrees. We have people that are married. We have people that are living together. We have people that are living on their own. We have people that are retiring from having a job for 20 years and they go every day to work and they're happy and and they have such positive outlook on life. And that's the goal. It's just seeing people. And and you'd be surprised some of the things that our individuals want. They just want a life like you and I and have that ability. And, And who are we to like not say that they're not able to have those things when everybody's capable with the right support. I uh, really appreciate you sharing that, Christina, because so many people experience barriers in life. And I love to hear that you're providing that support and celebrating successes. And as people pursue their careers and meet these milestones, and you know, when people are picking their, when your clients are selecting what field they want to go into and what they train for, who's driving the program here? How does that work? So Our philosophy is our individuals drive their program. The programs are intended to wrap around the individual and, like I said, whatever direction they're trying to take. So we really, you know, that's where we come in and, and we really have to train our staff because it's very easy sometimes to pick and choose for these individuals. Oh, this is what's good for you. And, and sometimes their voice gets lost. So, you know, it's very important for us to always take a step back and be like, are we providing the service that this person really needs, what are they asking for and really taking the time to, to ask those questions, you know? Um, So for me, it's very important that I make sure that our team is prepared with training and, you know, we staff everything together because it doesn't matter what position you're in, you know, sometimes you get lost in the fast pace of just how life is and, and you sometimes forget why you're here. And so it's always important for us to meet together to talk about cases because we want to make sure that how can we help this person to be better and how can we help them grow from whether, you know, it's a mistake, mistakes that happen or or things that are happening or the humps in life that come in. So we always want to make sure that we take it back to the individual and, and figure out, is this really what this person needs? Is this really what they want? And so, you know, our biggest thing we use, it's called person-centered and person-centered is a motto and it comes with a lot of training and it's a way of how we do our services. It puts the wants of the person and the needs of the person at the front. And like I said, those are the biggest questions that we always ask ourselves when we provide our services. What does this person want? But also what do they need? I'm saying a thread here too, and tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, Spencer, one thing you said was the biggest challenge in your work as communications liaison is to get the community to hear the stories of the people in the community, disabled community. And one of the things that, Christina, you talked about is being able to train your staff to hear what the disabled persons in the community actually want. So if no one's listening to them and everyone's ignoring them, then you've erased an entire group of people from the community who are vital members of the community. And I know we have a couple of people who we want to hear their stories directly. And Nancy, maybe you can directly introduce us to the people we want to hear from. Yeah, so I just love hearing this culture that you've created in your community. And I know that probably a very vital person in this group is 
the person who helps train everyone. And we have um, Shannon with us. And Shannon, I understand that you have been at the Roland Center for quite a while. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, like how you found the Roland Center and what you've done and, and what you're currently doing? Oh, yes, of course. Um, yeah, so, um, oh, God, a long time ago, <laughs> back in like 2001, early 2000. And two, um, I wanted to just try to find a place to go to just to increase my work abilities and my increase my my knowledge of different things. So what ended up happening is I, I was able to share that um with my uh with my case manager with the reason center and I told her about that. And so okay, so she um, was able to find, like, um, actually, she was able to go to a committee um, to let them know what I wanted. And then from there, that committee uh, recommended three choices. And so when my case uh, manager came back to me, um, told me about the Rowan Center. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it out. You know, I'll come and see what it's all about. So I remember... Um, coming here to the to the Rowan Center and just you know getting a tour from one of the uh, case managers that that worked here at the time, and so yeah, so I just you know ran, ran around see what programs that they offered, and I think one of my topics was um the commute um the the computer program um. Because I was one of the first two people um, that started that program way back in 2002, uh, 2003. So we were like one and another individual started that program. So, you know, it was just um, a great opportunity. All the staff at the time was really great um, to know. And then that's how it just started. And then... um. Throughout, you know, once I got, you know, got my authorizations and everything done that uh, requires me to be a a participant, I worked in the computer program about three and a half years. And so during that time, I was able to learn a lot about, you know, computers and all the office programs and just, you know, learning um, about how to answer phones you know, how to create documents. And because um, of my increased knowledge, um, I started learning um, more advanced work. And through that, I was able to give me um, some special projects, which um, helped me to excel even more. Wow, that sounds like you had a great beginning. Now, you've been there 20 years, is that right? Yes, <laughs> And now you've risen to the level of an instructor. So what what is it like for you when you're teaching a program? What's that experience like for you? For me, it's very rewarding because I'm able to assist in their own goals and what they want to achieve. And it's just really been tremendous knowing that from my past experiences um, through, through um, employment, uh, personal experiences, education, I'm able to kind of like assist them to get some extra 
support, whether it be through school, whether it be monthly being a personal, whether it be whatever I'm because of my knowledge, what I've been through, I'm able to um, assist them. And and they really, you know, I feel a lot of them really rely on me to be the, the, the pure mentor because, you know, I've been through it all. And so it's just really rewarding that people were able to help me and I may be help them. And uh, Shannon, when you're uh, working with individuals who are, you know, facing challenges or maybe they're having some trouble, you know, learning, going through the process, what are some of the things you remind people of or, you know, what are some of those? I know you have some cultural uh, mottos. What are some of the things you like to encourage people with? To never give up. Um, I feel like some people like, you know, you know, my thing that, you know, if we give up, I don't like giving up. And I, you know, got try and try again. And so just keep my courage in them and just let them know if I can do it, you can do it too. So, you know, and it's just, you know, I mean, it might take some extra time, but they can, you know, do it. And it just, you know, takes a lot of support and just really hearing the individuals uh, with, you know, different barriers that I may not have, but I can I, I really appreciate that when, you know, one of the things you, when you said, uh, if I can do it, anyone can do it. And that, and that idea of keep moving forward is so personal and so such a strong message. What are some of the things that you've been able to do? I know you've mentioned some, but what are some of the other things that you've been able to do with all the support that you received from the Roland Center? Um, just a lot of family support. Um, you know, I'm married for 20 years. I've been, you know, through a lot of ups and downs and just really that support either from my SLS program or, um, you know, the Roman Center and just everyone that supports me really, you know, and that helps me along the way. I mean, you know, during COVID, I could not go outside my house because I didn't have a medical situation going on, but I can't, I have to keep on going. I, I had to do what I have to do to get back here to work. And, you know, and I'm really appreciative of all the staff, including Christina and everyone else I've been able to work with too. Um, you know, it helped me, you know, along the way, you know, because... Um, for from working the home to coming back in the office did take a lot of time, and so I'm just trying to, you know, step by step, on me, and uh, now I can encourage other people. So, so I'm saying another theme coming out of everybody's stories here is that you know Spencer and Christina talked about being able to hear the people in that this community. And what you've added to it, Shannon, is that it's not just hearing, it's about being in relationship with people from that community. And it makes such a huge difference. And not just a non-disabled person being in relationship with a disabled person, but also within the community. You're not just an instructor. You are a mentor who has been through what they're going through and you can continue to encourage them in that relationship to keep going. And what people should probably know who are listening is that you have a master's in psychology in addition to all of your, 
you shared some of your work progression, learning computers to office manager and administrator to, you know, instructor. You're now actually, you know, assisting in some of the programs at the Roland Center and working directly with other people, not just in your classroom, but also in relationship with them at the center in that community. That's pretty powerful because that's what every company wants. They want employees who get trained and progress in their careers and make a difference in their workplace. And you've demonstrated that right now. If you are a hirer out there and you are running a company or you work for a company, you got to look at this disabled community as an invaluable resource. They know exactly what it is to have to overcome challenges to work harder than anybody else. And they know what the value of relationship and listening to other people are. And you just described that in your life and some of the skills. And if somebody looked at you, would they think, geez, she's got a master's program, you know, degree. Yeah, I'd like to add on to that a little bit too, because right now I'm a reporter. And so I am constantly working with people in the communities and um, <laughs> one of the things that they say is they're having a terrible time hiring people. And so we really need to spread the word and help you um, extend your message about how valuable and considerate your, your, your clients are to be in the workplace. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening. A-Squared Lamp Groups powers this podcast Their memberships are tax-deductible donations that directly support their work developing people and organizations. But just for you, they're offering podcast listeners a special 40% off coupon code to join. Your benefits as a member include additional resources, perks, and access that you can use all year, including an additional 30 minutes of bonus podcast content for every episode. Simply use the code 4LISTENERS at checkout. That's the number 4 all caps, listeners, at checkout. They also are giving our listeners free gifts to use now. Go to their website, asquaredlamps.org forward slash podcast, and download your free My Success Course of Action worksheet. There is no cost, registration, or sales pitch involved. Just click it and save. Use it to work on something significant to you this month, maybe even something that sparks interest from today's podcast. Then click to join our free but private Stop Digging Podcast LinkedIn group, where the conversation continues between you, the hosts, and our guests. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. And now, back to the program. Let's get into finding out a little bit more about, I want to hear the personal side of things here. So, If we can start with Spencer and Christina and find out how they ended up at the Roland Center and their careers and life passion, that would be a good start, I think. So I was actually at a family gathering and uh, I met our ex- our former executive director and she just let me know about the, the good work they're doing here. And we, we had a good conversation about the political advocacy side of things. I'm a formerly a, well, not formerly, I'm a, I'm a political science major, so I'm really interested in that side of the work. Um, so we just really connected over that, and uh, I got to interview with uh, one of her subordinates, and it was just a really good fit. Um, I also have a cousin that has Asperger's, so this community means a lot to me, and making a difference here means a lot to me as well. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity. So it wasn't something that was on your career radar from the beginning, but... When you saw it, you recognized it right away? 
Yeah, um, it just lined up uh, perfectly. We were going to be able to speak with legislators, uh, promote our message that way, uh, talk to our community and build you know greater rapport with uh, with different stakeholders and kind of promote our services. It uh, it just lined up really well. Um, and then I also studied English, so being able to do the communication side and promote our message on that on that end is a wonderful opportunity. That's such a big part of what every organization has to do, but really important for the Roland Center because I know you have so many messages and such a great community that you're advocating for. That must be um, pretty fun, I think, with your background. So what are some of the uh, highlights in your line of work here when you're helping out? I definitely like interviewing our participants and hearing all their wonderful stories, uh, how unique they are and also how similar they are, how we have uh, there's a lot of overlap in addition to how special each each case is. But in particular, I had a great time uh, during the pandemic with helping expand our remote services. I got to work on starting up our employment preparation services. And Alejandro was actually one of my students. He was in my second my second class. So that was it was a great opportunity to work with him and hear about what he wants to work on and how to frame it in the best way possible so that he can interview for the job he wants and uh, have the best possible chance to get where he wants to be. So I'm, I'm loving what I'm hearing here too, because when I'm listening to the stories, you know, we heard about aspiration and training, which is absolutely important. And yet we also heard just a second ago that there's also an element of kismet involved where you can be going in a direction and not see hidden threads in your own experiences that when you have a conversation with somebody, all of a sudden it just clicks and you're like, Oh yeah, this is where I need to be. So I I think being open to that might be also important in our career trajectories. And I, I'm assuming maybe Shannon that you probably had something similar is that, you know, did you aspire right away from the very beginning to go into psychology? Not exactly, but, um, when I, you know, tried this program and I started talking about how, you know, how the brain works and now I know how this human connection and the cognitive theory and all the emotions and it started to appeal to me. So, yeah, I um, took it on and I really got excited for it and then, um, yeah, I made the decision to go for my master's. I just love schooling. Um, I love going. I always have. And I always like. I always like having something to do. Um, you know. So. Well, that's what that's what I like to hear in any instructor is that they themselves love to learn. <laughs> so that's yeah. So you're passionate yeah. about learning, and here you are teaching other people. So that's that's yeah something yeah and, yeah. One of my passions, sorry, um, was actually doing um the pandemic. Um, I took on a lot of um, gym classes with uh, participants, so, you know, it was just like, I was very happy to do it, but they needed some type of connection, and so I was happy I was able to provide, you know, some of those services for a while, and yeah, I mean, I- I'm always willing to try doing new things, so, you know, so. Very cool, Love little adventure. How about we go to Christina, and why don't you tell us how you got to the Roland Center? So for me, um, I think it, it's been all, all in the making because I started my uh, professional career working for the city of Montebello. And so I worked in their parks and recreation 
Um, and I was there for maybe five years and I loved working with the community. I loved working with the families. I, I worked mainly primarily with their childcare sector. And so I knew that I loved helping people. I knew that I loved just being that support for our families. And so when I went to school, I'll be honest with you, I had no idea what I wanted to do. All I knew was like, I want to help people because that's what drives me. And so it started, uh, my sister actually was working for a behavior company and she's like, Hey, they have openings. I had just graduated school from Cal CLA with a sociology degree. And she's like, Hey, there's openings, you know, for uh, behavior services and you know, you should do it. And I was like, okay. And I'll be honest with you. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even look it up. I didn't know what it was. And so what it is, is that you're working with, with uh, people that have behavior challenges. And I didn't know to the extent of what that was. So some of the challenges that I that I faced was a lot of aggressive behaviors. And so I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to do uh, as soon as I experienced this, I had some experience with that. I was like, what did I get myself into? Oh, my goodness. I don't know what I'm doing. And just like everything, it just fell into place. I eventually was able to work through a lot of the challenges that that not only the consumers were experiencing, but the families were experiencing. So when I was able to get through that and I saw the progress and then you know, I really help the families overcome these challenges and help them navigate through that. It was such a world of difference. And so that really just led me and drove me of like, okay, what else can I do? What's, what more can I do? So I did that for about maybe three years. And then that eventually led me to the Rome Center. And so I applied, I actually started here as a case manager, and then I moved into program managing we're always talking about possibilities and um, opportunities. And Alejandro is a client. And Alejandro, I know you also have a job coach as well. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you found the Roland Center and what you're doing right now? Um, I found out through I found out Roland Center through Green Karina. Um, she's actually my job, my job instructor. She actually took me here to the wellness and the office and introduced me to them. And I started like working with them a lot, a lot. So I started working with them. After that, they helped me with school. And then now they're, they're helping me look for a job. So, uh, what program are you in and what college do you go to? I know you're a student, right? Yeah, I go to Mount Sac. Mount Sac is a a local and highly esteemed community college, folks, for for people outside of the United States or outside of California. Which program are you in? You're training for something, right? Um, It's the life-saving skills. I'm curious. What what is it that you want to do? What, What kind of work is it that you're aspiring to? Well, right now I'm trying to find a job. They're trying to help me do this job. It's called um, Fish Taco Baja. Okay. It's a restaurant, and and they're, they're hiring for hosting, so that's what I want to do It's host. Okay, so you'll be interacting with people, and I we've had a few conversations before we hit the record button, so I know you're very personable, but you've also been working in the food industry previous to that as well. Tell us about that experience. I started off at a at a restaurant right here in Brent, in La Puente. I started with them for a very long time, 
Um, and then they started me cooking inside the kitchen, and I've been cooking ever since I started cooking. Please tell me you make Mexican food because that is my downfall. I love Mexican food. That's what I'm. That's what I'm learning is to do Mexican food right now. Okay, well, sign me up. Are you interested in in working and in doing like learning how to cook other kinds of food as well, or? Yes. Is that kind of your passion, would you say? Yes. No. So my question is, what what is it that you like about cooking? Well, pretty much it distracts me from thinking about other bad things that, that I don't even want to think about, you know. It's relaxing, right? Yeah. Sense. I've heard that before, you know, just because there's an order to doing the cooking piece. There's, you focus on the order and putting the things together. Right. So you're kind, you're kind of like a food chemist in the sense yeah. that you're, you know, mixing and putting things together. So Correct. very cool. I'm a career coach in addition to running a squared. And so I'm always passionate hearing other people's career stories, like how they made decisions on where to go, what they like to do and where they ended up, <laughs> you know, in the path together. So so I'm loving hearing all of this story. And I, I definitely want to talk from Alejandro. I, I want to hear more, I think, about some of the things like with schooling. What are you interested in? What's been the challenge that you faced when you're taking classes? Homework been challenging a lot. The homework itself? Yeah, because they give me a lot of homework so, and it's difficult. So that's what mainly throws me up is the homework. So tell me how it works with your coach. Does your coach help you with the homework or you have to do it all yourself and you have to organize yourself? How does that work? No, um, she'll help me with the she'll help me with my homework. But sometimes I do it on my own and that's difficult for me to do it on my own. So what's the difficult part of the homework? Is it the homework itself or how it's presented? No, it's the homework itself. Like math, I hate math. I don't like math. That's difficult for me. Okay, so I'm immediately sympathetic because I hate math too. (laughs) (laughs) I used to struggle so badly in math. So in that, we're very similar. (laughs) I used to do problems over and over again. I never got the right answer. You're probably better at math than I was. I remember in an algebra class falling asleep and waking up three periods later. So I'm sure you weren't that bad. <laughs> You're probably better than that. But is is math you think your your most difficult subject? Math and history, honestly. Okay, so tell me what your favorite class is. What's your favorite class? No, I'll say it's history, but it's hard. Okay. So is it is it you is it US history that you're taking or no? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so U.S. history. So what what about U.S. history interests you? Everything, pretty much everything is interesting. Oh, so you found a hidden interest. You know, I know that your job trajectory is to train for the food industry and working there, but you never know how your thread of liking U.S. history might play into that as well. So maybe check back with you in a couple years and see what's going on with you. Okay. Christina, I just want to re-record a couple of things that you said earlier. So if you could just kind of go back a little bit and tell me about, you said um, 
that you love uh, uh, working with people and how everything comes back to the individual and the clients. Can you kind of say more about that for me? As I was telling you, it, I do love working with people. And so it always comes back to the person. You can only support those that want the help. And so for me, being able to do that is such a important part of, I think, my personal mission and, and helping people get to where they want to go and how to get them there because everybody's life trajectory is different. It's not going to look the same. You might support a couple individuals on the same goal, but the routes are different for each person. And so being able to recognize that and figure out and help that person, how are we going to get you there? Like I said, it's different for every person. And so no, as much as we have four different programs, everybody's road in here looks different. And so I think that's what also is very unique about us is that we have to make sure that we support the person the way they need it and not just how we have laid out our our scope of services. Thank you. I guess I want to ask you another question. You alluded to it earlier, but what keeps you coming back every day? Every day, what keeps me coming back is definitely our our participants. They're so happy and they're so grateful and they're so, they know what's important in life. And that's what keeps me coming back every day. It's just a reminder for myself too, because like, I think sometimes we forget what's really important in life. We're so busy and in just everyday life. And we forget what's really important. And it's so simple. It's, you know, just, just being grateful. And, and they're so grateful to just something so small that you might think is, is insignificant. And to them, it's a big deal. And so that's what keeps me back. Um, also too, what keeps me back is the staff. We have wonderful people that we work with. We have people that just love what they do. They're here. Um, unfortunately, you know, if you work in the social service realm, it's not the best paying jobs, but they're here because they love our participants and they keep coming back because they love our individuals. And and that's what keeps me going too. It's like that we have like-minded people that love doing what they do. And so just being in that kind of environment community is definitely what keeps me here. I really have enjoyed chatting with all of you and then learning a little bit more about the personal side and who you are and what you're doing. And I'm amazed at how busy you all are. Um, kind of run circles around me. <laughs> Thank you so much. Really appreciate having this conversation with you and for you sharing more with us. Uh, Susan, do you have anything? I think we've covered everything. In the, in the first part, you know, we were talking about hearing people, having conversations with people, having relationships with people, joining the community. We talked a little bit about aspirations, work aspirations, experimenting and building up confidence in yourself. And I, I love that we kind of ended on a, on a happy note because it, it's not all work. You know, <laughs> sometimes we think working on ourselves is going to be all hard work and challenges, but sometimes it's also about just having some fun, relaxing and doing something you love or developing a new thing that you love, whether it's like taking an art class or, you know, talking to your dog, which, I, which I'll just be honest, I do. I talk with my dog all the time. So and I hope that our listeners get the idea that people are people. If you have special challenges, we all have different challenges. Some people have more, some people have less. And I think respecting that and interacting with people as if they were people is really what this program is about. There may be a different learning community, 
but it's one that is not different from our own existence. And again, people are people. So I, I think that's my takeaway. We all have personalities. You've all been very freely sharing your personalities. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Stop Digging Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please like, subscribe, and share with a friend, and connect with us on our social media channels. This podcast is powered by asquaredlamps.org.